The year is 1974. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by the only ethically compromised scientist I would let marry my Aunt May. It's Zach Dean. <laughs> Thank you so much. You told me earlier this week you had a good name <laughs> for I even remembered it. it. I'm, I'm pretty proud of that one. Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I think they're leaving. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. Zach's neighbors. I, I just Here's the thing. We don't slander a lot of people directly. I would say people we've slandered so far on the show... Wow, that was noisy. Um, people yep. we've slandered so far on the show would include uh, Roy Thomas. I feel like we've done a grave injustice. <laughs> um, I think uh, I would say Stoltman, Wilbur Day, because of Zach's takes. Again, I take no, I I take no fault here or blame on mm. my own. Mm. This is all really all the slander has come from Zach. So if there is ever a lawsuit, I will be sure to throw him under the bus first. Um, and then I would say the final person that we've slandered uh, would be your neighbors. This is Zach from about, I'd say, a month in the future, uh, letting you know that I have since moved, and hopefully something like this will never happen again. I'm going to do it right now. Zach's neighbors, you stink. Get out of here. Okay, so three slanders, two of yours, one is mine. Um, And is slander, isn't slander written? What's libel? Uh, Libel is... (laughs) Libel is written. Slander is spoken. Okay, it is slander then. All right. Wait, is it? Is it? That's the uh, the JJJ lie, right? Hang on. You, you know What's what I'm that? talking about? From uh, it's uh, Spider Man. Spider Man. Oh my god! In in the the original um in the original Spider Man movie. Is that a joke in there? Yeah. Peter Parker says like you know Spider Man was saving those people, not attacking them. It's slander. And JJ go goes. It is not slander is spoken. Libel's written. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Everything yeah. I learned about print journalism, I learned from J. Jonah James. God, Perfect. So funny. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So uh, auspicious start to the episode. We are here today to talk about 1974 Marvel Comics. This is part one of the reading list. We, this, of course, being My Marvelous Year, we provide a curated reading list for every year of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We are going through a selection of 74 comics today that we'll be sharing out via the show notes and, and Patreon and my Marvelous Year uh, email and all those fun things. Um, but we're going to talk about Spidey. We're going to talk about a little Avengers Fantastic Four Wedding Madness. We're going to talk about Black Panther. We're going to talk about Captain America and Secret Empire. Not the new one. And we're going to talk about a little Tomb of Dracula Werewolf by Night crossover. So this is a pretty full one. I say let's dig in. Um, where are we starting? Avengers Fantastic Four? All right, so let's start with Avengers Fantastic Four. So Avengers 127, and this one is starts out with, this is Steve Englehart, and who's on art here? We got Sal Buscema. Yeah, and uh, really good, the first thing I want to say about Steve Englehart, really good dialogue writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a real good way of like conveying character and like a lot of conversation, a lot of dialogue in here, but all of it seems to matter, right? Or at least like it's just interesting to read. It doesn't feel like this kind of like filling for space that we get so often. And the um, 
The distinction couldn't be more clear from when we switched to Avengers 127 back to Fantastic Four 150. Yeah. Because it immediately feels like a shift in um, in that style where, you know, like Ultron just is vamping for three panels just about how powerful he is. Right. It feels just so dull in comparison to Avengers. I, I don't remember who's writing Fantastic Four. Yeah, Fantastic Four is Jerry Conway and uh, Rich yeah. Buckler on art. The, yes. Yeah, I, I do think Englehart, uh, he's pretty good at characterization of the Avengers. I think he, yeah. across both his Avengers work and as well as some of his Defenders, um, you get a really good... I think cut out of like each character has an individual voice, which is definitely mm, something yes. that is a, a common criticism of writers of team books. If everyone sounds the same, that can be a challenge because at the end of the day, Hawkeye should not sound exactly the same as Iron Man. Um, I think the easiest one to make sound different is like Thor or Hulk, but you have a collection otherwise of characters captain america hawkeye iron man um like how do you actually differentiate those voices so yeah i think that's a good call out this main the main point of this issue is it's the wedding the long anticipated wedding of quicksilver this and crystal of the inhumans <laughs> we just this just got revealed they're getting married so quick they're getting married super like, fast god that's gotta that's gotta burn for johnny storm no pun intended. Yeah, he's but, he like, plays it cool by the time we get to FF, you know? He's like, I'm happy for you, Crystal. You were the love of my life since literally oh, no, the there's a really I funny. You. I like the moment where um, right before the wedding, like in the moments before, he's he's all upset and Medusa is comforting him. And she says something like, well, Johnny, if you want someone there for support, I can be there for you. And he goes, yeah, lady, I want... <laughs> It's a really weird phrasing. Like, is that um, a, is that a pickup line? Is that just like him no, just I, like I, being angry and talking like a caveman? I, I'm not entirely sure what's going on there, Johnny. Well, she says if you want it, and he's like, "Hell yeah, I want." I don't know. It's it's weird. Yeah. Um. But uh. So this it starts out with dinner at the Avengers, and this is one of the first moments of like real Jarvis humor we get. Yeah. And I'm I love Jarvis, especially as we move into like set late seventies, early eighties Avengers. Yeah, he hasn't Jarvis been very fun like, so far. He's just kind of around. Yeah, right. He's just kind of the butler in the background, but he becomes a really fun kind of comic relief, something of the like the straight man to all the like crazy happenings yeah. going on. And uh, and I a little I don't know something I really like later is when uh, he becomes like the foil for Tigra. Who, uh, who just flirts with him all the time? I love that mm-hmm. dynamic mm-hmm. later on. Um, we're gonna get we're gonna get into Tigra eventually. Um, <laughs> That's news to me, but um, okay, carry on. Yeah. Oh, does Tigra not? Well, I mean, I guess I could have phrased that more eloquently. But uh, does Tigra? She's in the list, right? She's in the Avengers for a while. Tigra joins the Avengers. That is true. Um, she'll be. I like Tigra of the West a lot. Coast Avengers. I yeah, don't Tigra's think. I mean, I don't think the My Marvel this year list is Tigra heavy. That said, well, we, we will we be can, making. We updates. can do something about that. I will be. I will be back in the Patreon at the fifty dollars level to add Tigra episode or Tigra <laughs> issues in. <laughs> that's that's fair enough. Um, we might cover her debut if memory serves. Yeah, it, Tigra is definitely I one think of those actually characters her de- that has gotten. Uh, n- writers have not treated that character the best over the decades and oh really uh, okay yeah i i yeah so we'll get I, my we'll memories see. of her are, are like someone who is uh happy to be an avenger and also like shocked that that means she gets like spending money yeah yeah <laughs> like and that's really fun to see she just seems like a normal person who's like i get 200 dollars to be an avenger oh my god right <laughs> like, i think of that's... her and like jen walter she hulk as being like pretty genuinely thrilled to be a part of this <laughs> big team yeah yeah in a way yeah. that's a lot of fun yeah, well 
and we'll we'll get to all that. I'm jumping the gun, but you're jumping. Yeah, so Jarvis Jarvis brings in his like his turkey that he's been cooking all day, basting all day long, and he drops it when (laughs) right before he serves the Avengers. Um, Which again, there's this idea that the Avengers don't know each other's secret identity, but yet they. Sorry, I'm sure you heard that. Um, But yet they. uh... Oh, they switched from their car to a dirt bike. Cool. (laughs) Jesus Christ. the idea that they don't know each other's secret identities, but they all sit down for dinner together every night yeah. is just ridiculous. In costume, it's really dumb. But uh, in the middle of dinner, um, Gorgon shows up. and To Avengers Mansion, mater- right. Right, the Inhuman with the goat hooves. And uh, I like there's a moment here where the caption calls out, like, Gor- the, the inappropriately named Gorgon does something. And just Steve Englehart, you know, saying, like, why, why is this man named Gorgon? It's a little, that's a, little that's lean, curvy shade right there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the same thought I had, right? Like, clearly he's a pan, right? Name him Pan or a Seder or something. That worse that. names. Gorgon's a thing. Those are significantly yeah. worse names. I stand with Stan and Jack on this one. Yeah, right. Anyway, so, yeah, there, there's this strange, um, there's this plot point here where Scarlet Witch is kind of shocked. Gor- no, <laughs> None of the Avengers have been invited to the wedding. Gorgon shows up to, like, escort them, and they're all confused by what's going on he's so mad out, that quicksilver didn't tell them he'd be coming he's ready he to destroying just fight the everyone yeah, <laughs> he's yeah so iron upset. man has to start attacking him yeah yeah it's like uh your soon-to-be brother-in-law just constantly getting under your skin that's where quicksilver and, and gorgon already are and stomping holes in the floor with his hooves yeah but i mean yeah you're right wanda's reaction is oh wait my brother's getting married and as it as we sort of it it plays out over this issue quicksilver is furious with Wanda for her romance with the Vision. He thinks it's gross and unnatural and probably uses language that is even harsher than that. Um, Even when Wanda confronts Quicksilver about this, like, hey, it's your wedding, you know, I'm your sister, let's talk. Quicksilver is basically like, I have nothing to say to you until you give up this, you know, unnatural romance. Which is just wild. It's, I mean... I, I guess it's an interesting point because, like, I mean, it's just wild that, like, one, as a mutant who has experienced significant amounts of, um, like, dis- discrimination, and two, as someone who is marrying someone who's not strictly human <laughs> himself, yeah, right? the fact that he has this prejudice. But then again, like, that's people, honestly, right? So, like, um, God, like, one of the most ra- racist writers is, uh, oh, what's her name? Yeah, um, let's let's get into uh, this <laughs> line. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, no. This is like I think this. Is, what's her name? Um, <sighs> I have zero guesses. It's it. She was back. She was part of Hemingway's crew. Uh, Gertrude Stein. The, yes, she's yes, a big racist. Okay. Yeah, Gertrude. Yes, totally. Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So she, um, because she herself was a a Jewish lesbian in Europe in the like in the 30s, uh-huh. right? So like, <laughs> talk about being an oppressed group who also was just incredibly racist towards black people. Hmm. Right. So that's like, I mean, it's that kind of thing where like, just because you experience significant discrimination doesn't mean you don't hold your own significant discrimination. I think that is, or that like, is a, a good comparison to how, how Quicksilver is behaving here. Um, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. I found it actually kind of tough to read. It's like, he's, I don't like Quicksilver a lot anyway. Um, but here he is so, he's really quite cruel 
to Wanda um, because of because of who she has fallen in love with. I think in an, in an extended metaphor that we would read today as, you know, like you have a bigoted family member who does not support your choices, right? And obviously there are complications with Vision being romance that don't play one-to-one, but that is definitely the, the undertone of this, of like what is happening at this wedding. Um, all that said, the wedding is about to carry on except for the revolt of the Alpha Primitives inside Adelon, and this revolt is led by none other than the big surprise Ultron 7? Ultra- what? Ultron 7. I love it's just a giant man, you know, attacking. Yeah, and this the thing about this is like we just were talking we already just had an issue about Quicksilver and Crystal's romance. Mm-hmm. And now when we just had an issue about the Alpha Primitives, I think was it the same issue? Like when they were <laughs> last Probably. time we were in Adelan, we just had this thing about the Alpha Primitives rising up under the you know the charge of Omega Man or whatever. Uh, well, and that's now, what this is referencing. He starts out looking like Omega Man, but the first ninety five, like until the last page, it's the same exact comic in yeah. that kind of playing out in the same way. And then it's yeah. the big twist where at the end, Omega Man as this giant pulls off his mask, and it's actually Ultron. And it's a pretty cool image. That last page is great with an enormous Ultron holding like. You know, uh, this skin mask, um, and it's just kind of a cool, unsettling image. Although, did you notice that Adelan had, like, the Nazi eagle <laughs> insignia? No. There's a shot of Omega Man, like, charging over a gate, and the top of the gate had, like... I pulled it up, I immediately, like, opened up Google on my tablet and Googled Nazi eagle, and it's, like, very, very close to that, you know, Roman banner thing that they used. Like, close enough that someone should have noticed... <laughs> Huh. <laughs> like, but yeah, it's very strange. I think, I mean, I think it's just a probably a coincidence. I gotta probably tell just, you, I don't a, know what the role eagle. in World War II was. I don't know that I've read any stories to that effect. That said, God, I have oh, never man. known them to be <laughs> sympathetic towards. Well, Nazis. I mean, are they secretly part of Hydra, right? And uh, Hydra's infiltrated them. Listen, that actually That's... would make a weird amount of sense. But yeah, see, you. Uh, so Let's far, talk about that for we don't know that hour. to be true. I, we trust the Inhumans to be. I, you know what though, when you put like, hey, these the Alpha Primitives are revolting because you keep them as slaves in your basement. Um, yep, yep. <laughs> there's there's definitely some some baggage there that yeah, yeah doesn't make yeah, the Inhumans sure. look great. Um, yeah, I think to your point, you know, I include these two issues, the crossover here, because it's like it's a big crossover wedding. But I got to tell you. As weddings in the Marvel Universe go, the union of Quicksilver and, and Crystal is just like a big nothing. Like, I do not have any yeah. investment in this, really. You know, I mean, I think the most interesting part about it is Johnny Storm's reaction to Crystal getting married and Quicksilver and Wanda's tension. Yeah. That crops up because of it. The actual wedding with the two of them, like, yeah, I don't care either. So Although, the, th- I- the third most interesting thing that I'll say yeah. is in Fantastic Four, the way Ultron is, in, is ultimately defeated... Um, as he's rampaging around in what is really mm-hmm. a pretty standard superhero beat em up, uh, is Franklin Richards wakes up oh, from right. a coma. Who, who's been in a coma? <laughs> yeah. And he. Uh, oh, I'll, wait, wait. They also. He, he's been carried around by Agatha Harkness yeah. this whole time while they're there. And they introduce her as a new member of the Fantastic Four, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which, is, which is very funny. I mean, she's like, she's like a member of the family. I don't think she's one of the four. I mean, they said like. Uh, they said something like, "Oh, she's uh, she's part of the Fantastic Four family, or something like yeah, that." Yeah, right. Like, it, was, okay. it was definitely in the the realm of like she's joined the group now. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean she's she's been watching Franklin for a long time. Um, but yeah. here, Franklin wakes uh, up wh- from his why coma. Why is he in a coma? What? Why is he in a coma? 
Uh, he's he's a boy, and he got he got put into a coma during a Fantastic Four issue that we didn't read. Okay, all right, that's fine. Yeah, I, I guess I don't care. <laughs> he wakes up. Basically, what's happening with Franklin is his like he's developed this power set, and he's got these surging powers. And Reed and Sue, they don't really know what to do with it, and they've kind of got Agatha Harkness, you know, trying to help in her sort of supernatural witch capacity um but basically like reed's been studying it and he can't figure it out which obviously again is like they they always put reed richards in the situation where the people closest to him are like the only people his smarts can't can't help you know with ben Grimm and now with franklin um so they're completely astonished to see franklin even wake up it's great he uses this vestige of power all his power surging in him to take out ultron 7 and then in using that <laughs> reed and the fantastic four decide like oh man it's gone all that power you just used it yeah, to take out ultron and you're done yeah you're better uh which which yeah, he... spoiler alert might not be the case um but mm-hmm. it is it is good to see here that like franklin richards sometimes extremely powerful <laughs> yeah i think that's our first hint of that so far in the club that something's up with franklin yeah uh there's yeah, also we talk about franklin a really weird epilogue to this issue where we see a reference to a giant size avengers issue where they say the wizard the golden age speedster <laughs> is quicksilver's yeah. dad did you catch this no <laughs> yeah i noticed he was he was watching the wedding on tv and it was like the wizard the you know, the secondary member of the Avengers is watching from home. And it was like, oh, okay. They that said guy is. because because he's Quicksilver's dad is what they're trying to reveal here. Oh, I got to tell you, Quicksilver and Wanda that. parentage just don't even don't even try because apparently it's even more complicated than I realized. It's complicated, but also not even the tiniest bit interesting. You know, yeah. Like, so like, you know what's complicated but fun is like cables lineage (laughs) like it's complicated in all the ways that make comics like insanely entertaining because it involves time travel and characters you're familiar with and maybe clones um if you get into it with wanda and quicksilver like it's not even fun it's it's like getting yeah it's like sending in your dna thing you know to one of those companies that do it now um and finding out you have a twin only to realize like you actually sent in two and you just forgot about it so you're your own twin (laughs) That's that's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> Trying not to sound so surprised. Oh no, I just it did, as it settled in my mind. I was talking. That was good. Um, yeah, I think what's interesting about reading these two is I don't think the story is all that interesting. But reading the Avengers and Fantastic Four back to back as part of one big story just shows how much someone who's good at like plotting and not plotting. Someone who's good at their prose and just writing dialogue matters because Avengers 127, I was like, I was enjoying. Like I read mm-hmm. it flowed nicely. The characters like had interesting scenes and dialogue with each other. And then 150 was just kind of a real boring beat em up generic, you know, bunch of people yelling and stuff. Like, Which I also, actually think, I think it's a good point. I also think like Fantastic Four specifically is not really progressing anymore. And, and frankly, no, it hasn't been feels, for a long time. This feels literally like it could have been Fantastic Four 50. Which is a bummer. Know, like, Which is yeah. a bummer because they, yeah. like the 70s for me, and probably there are fans, probably, probably there are a lot of people who'd be like, actually, this, this, and this are good. And we're going to read, a, you know, we still read a handful of FF throughout the 70s. Um, but this decade for them is like, compared to the heights they were at in the 60s, it's a real downturn. And uh, it'll they'll come back up sooner rather than later. But um, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, it's like they just don't, they don't have their footing, and to your point, like maybe they just don't have the creator—the creator who really gets what is the next level for them. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think so. And yeah, I mean, it just, it doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't do much for me anymore. I'm not that interested in what's going on with yeah. them. So really that's going to bring us the, to the, the, Oh, the, the other thing that like, I just wanted to point out is that that whole thing with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver completely vanishes in the Fantastic Four. Like that plot point of them. <laughs> the, like, like having... <laughs> the family like blood feud that's never going to go away. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't get resolved in Avengers. And then I looked for Scarlet Witch. She's not at the wedding, but they don't like make a point of saying she's not there. She's just not pictured anywhere. Like there's all these shots of all yeah. the Inhumans and Fantastic Four and the Avengers. Oh, we also forgot to mention that uh, the Avengers were the entertainment for the wedding. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. they brought them there and like Thor and Iron Man are like, I don't know, flying around, juggling. Like, I don't know what, like, they just brought in the, brought Thor to juggle some hammers. Um, yeah, yeah, it was fine. Uh, yeah, like let's go use. to, let's, we've got five issues of The Amazing Spider-Man, and this is basically spread over three different stories. Yeah, right? so we got a, a good touchstone of some Spidey here. Um, in kind of interesting ways, we had the death of Gwen Stacy in Amazing Spider-Man number 121 and 122, yep. and now we're going to do issue 129 131 and then a chunk but it's like this book got really fun <laughs> like it's kind of it, it gets kind of goofy at points um in a way that and, and it's not like they're not still referencing gwen like that stuff still comes up uh but it's not yeah, the sure. sort of morose like we're still in the haze of her death type tone that maybe a more modern book would be playing in i don't know um so let's get I, it does a, i think it could, does a good job of still acknowledging that it doesn't like, ignore it talk, at all talking around that but yeah. not i mean peter like literally at one point like basically puts his fingers in the corners of his mouth and lifts them up to make himself smile <laughs> There's yeah that one shot where he's just like all right peter here you go and like puts on the most like plastered on smile just because he was like peter parker's got to be happy yeah no that, that was actually yeah. a really good good scene to show like kind of what's going on in his head so issue 129 the main point of this issue no wait wait before you even get into the issue let's get outside the issue oh boy meaning the cover which is one of the best like most icon- iconic covers yeah it's, it's a really Marvel good one of, it's uh the it's punisher. the debut of the punisher and this cover is the punisher with like a sniper scope on amazing spider-man yeah yeah that cover it's got the punisher standing there and it's got a shot of spider-man in the crosshairs and this is not just the first time we're seeing the punisher it is the first time we're seeing the jackal and can you explain some what who is this guy what is his deal so that's i mean that's where we're at in in spider-man history right now is is asking those questions about the jackal so he is like some sort of new villainous mastermind. The Punisher is basically operating as his lackey in this issue. And the Jackal tells Frank Castle, as we will learn, that, uh, you know, he knows the Punisher has this this coda of, or this, this code of, you know, killing those who deserve it, or hunting those who deserve it, maybe at this point. And uh, Spider-Man, everyone thinks, is somebody who does because the way the story was publicized was that, you know, he was responsible for the death of Gwen Stacy which obviously Peter would feel internally is true, but I think legally is not at all what actually happened, right? We saw the Green Goblin do it. So that's why Punisher thinks he needs to take down Spider-Man. He's working at the Jackal's behest. We're going to see the Jackal. What what does the Jackal look like? The Jackal looks a lot like the Green Goblin. I mean, he is a green, (laughs) uh, he's a green elfish kind of, I mean, you know, Jackal. Uh, We're going to see a lot more of him throughout the next two years. I was like, jackals are like little dogs, right? They're like a, like a medium-sized dog. That's what a jackal looks a like. A jackal's look- a medium-sized dog? 
I mean, that's what they look like. You know, they kind of got the big bushy fox tip. Yeah, no, totally. I think of like a Halloween goblin when I think of a jackal, maybe because of this. What are you talking? No, like in real life. What do you mean? I'm talking real life. When I see a jackal, it's a little goblin. I only see them in Halloween, and they're usually green. Oh, you're talking about jackals. What are you talking about? Not jackals. Jackal. uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yes. So there's the Halloween goblin that resides in Chicago suburbs that like everyone sees on Halloween, whatever. Mm. But then Mm. there's the wild dog. Uh, and I looked, I, I got to do- go off track for a second here. I Googled them because I just wanted to see what a cute little jackal looked like. Uh-huh. I found the craziest video on YouTube of actual jackals that uh, were hunting sea lions. Okay. <laughs> uh, or seals. Seals, rather. And the way that they would hunt a seal is this this medium-sized dog, like maybe a little smaller than a golden retriever, would just kind of quietly walk up to a seal, which is like four, four times its size on the beach. And then just kind of like stick its nose under its fin and try to bite it on the neck while it's sleeping. And it was just a montage of like seals just waking up and just being like, ah, hey, hey, (laughs) hey, piss off (laughs) over and over again. It was really cute, though, because he would just like go up. He'd like stick his nose and like sniff the seal. And then the seal would immediately wake up until eventually he uh, he masked himself in like seal urine and then just snuck up on a baby seal and bit him on the face and ate him. Oh, yeah, it was sad. Uh, but <laughs> Planet Earth always gets you with the yeah, standings. People should should YouTube that. Uh, it's like Jackal National Geographic. It was very funny. Well, that sounds compelling. I gotta yeah. say. Anyway, um, it was way more compelling than this Jackal, who literally is just like kind of in the background telling. I don't yeah. know. I, I know he becomes a much bigger player. No, he's a background like, guy at this I, point. I don't even know if he's an actual like weird animal man or if he's just wearing a full on like furry suit. Because he's just kind of one big furry man who doesn't wear clothes. You think he's furry? That... I think he's like prickly. I think he's like scaly. No, that's fur. That's you fur. think it's fur? I think so. It's a furry jackal. Hmm. Maybe Maybe so. What's weirder I mean, I get... to me is that the yeah. Punisher is taking his orders. <laughs> because when we think of the Punisher <laughs> yeah. today, this is like not at all him. Um, but it's kind uh-huh. of strange. Basically, the Punisher takes this you know contract hit out on Spidey. They do the classic, um, you know, I'm going to get you. No, you're not. Until, like, the Punisher kind of, over the course of this issue, learns maybe the Jackal sent up, set him up. Um, they don't exactly become, like, best pals by the end of 129. But he gets no. the, he gets the clear indication that um, the Jackal set him up on this and that, you know, maybe he shouldn't be doing trying to kill Spidey, at least at the Jackal's behest. It's interesting to watch the Punisher's moral compass develop on the fly as well like this is not sure clearly defined at this point in time it's it's not like he just comes out of the gate like yeah i only kill those who deserve it because my family like that stuff is. Uh, he also has some weird rules here where it's like uh he's about to kill spider-man he's trying to shoot spider-man out of the sky and then kill him in hand-to-hand combat but then later the jackal sneaks up behind spider-man and pushes him off a building and the punisher's like no not like that yeah yeah. it has to happen by my own hands not an accident i well, I think it was Very like he was, he was like you know he wasn't looking, it wasn't fair kind of thing. Like it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Which is yeah, especially um, considering what the Punisher ends up doing. Yeah, is <laughs> basically yeah. So I, I, I think mean, it's also like, he tried to snipe him, which is like is that more fair? Like he tried to snipe you from a distance while he wasn't paying attention. Right, right. So it's not it's not the Punisher we're going to expect. We're going to see a little bit more of him here shortly. But before we do, we have. One of my favorite ah. Spider-Man issues from the decade. Oh, no. 131, oh, no. My Uncle, oh. My Enemy. Uh, is that the name of this issue? I missed that. Wait, hang That's on. That's really good. When I does mean, uh, when does Punisher come? Oh, he's in 135. Yeah, yeah. 131 yeah, is yeah. called My Uncle, My Enemy. This cover is Dr. Octopus trying to marry, not trying, he's in the cathedral, 
Next to Aunt May, He's they're about to get married, thing. and Spider-Man's up in the rafters saying, what <laughs> the heck? <laughs> I was gone for one issue. I mean, it is kind of funny that we left in 129, uh, and then we skip 130, and we come back in 131, and it's like in the middle of the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what right. happened in 130? Um, oh, man, so you like this one, huh? <laughs> oh, it's so fun. I, I'm a sucker for Doc Ock, Aunt May romance stuff. Because we've been building this since the yeah. Stan and Steve days, right? I mean, uh, like this this Oc, this thing where Aunt May thinks Otto Octavius is the kindest, sweetest gentleman and yeah. somehow I, doesn't I love know any of the villainous, like he's been in prison multiple times in the course of Amazing Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe so far. And it's just that he's soft-spoken and she's just like... He just says, oh, it, I was framed or, you know, I didn't actually do that. I was wrongly accused. And because he says it in like kind of this genteel manner, mm-hmm. she immediately believes him. He's also, he's so nice to May, like in a, in an, ins, in a impossibly genuine way where he's trying to marry her for her will or for her um, inheritance, actually, in this case. Like, so the the premise of this issue is Aunt May lands a huge inheritance, right? <laughs> and ev- and then, like, basically over the course of this issue, everyone's trying to get it. Um, and everyone being Doc Ock by marrying her, and then Hammerhead and his gang are, like, trying to get it from Ock and from May at the same time, right? So it's, like, Aunt May has a windfall she doesn't even know about, really, and they're all trying to get it. Except the thing about Dr. Octopus is he's, like, scamming her, but he also treats her with the utmost respect at all times and it's one of those auto octavius quirks that i love is that yes he's a spidey villain yes he's like does these really really monstrous sort of criminal things but when doc ock falls in love he treats his lady with respect (laughs) and i love it he's not just like phoning it in to trick may i don't think Hmm. yeah that I, i love all that stuff too i've really liked how that's built up I I'm I mean I'm I'm just being a little bit of a party pooper here. I just think like I don't care about Hammerhead. I don't care about this like weird sub this sub rivalry between Hammerhead and Doctor Doc Ock, <laughs> Doctor Octopus. Uh, yeah, it, like all that stuff doesn't interest me. They they get into helicopters and then Spider Man's chasing them uh, like under the helicopter. There's all that stuff. Like they go to an uh, Doctor Octopus's private island with like a nuclear nuclear uh. I don't know what they call it. Well, that's nuclear so breeder or something. That's what Aunt May inherited was a nuclear oh reactor I, in Canada. I missed all this. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> you were not right, reading this issue private, private So I got Canadian I got two things island. to say to you. One of which you're definitely not going to like. Uh, okay. This a version of this exact story could work in the MCU, and I would be totally head over heels for it with a a suave professorial gentleman Otto coming in and trying to marry Aunt May. Take her away from, <laughs> from the no, character. I like it. all of that. Like, I like that part of it, that aspect of this. The rest of this issue is just, like, kind of off the rails for me. Like, it's just, uh, Dr. Octopus has his crew, Hammerhead has his crew. It's a big gang fight with, like, Aunt May in the middle of it. Spider-Man is trying to intervene. Zach, she and then inherited it- a nuclear reactor in Canada. <laughs> it's hilarious in the goofiest Bronze Age comics kind of ways. Of course it, of course it's silly, right? Hammerhead and yeah, Doc maybe- Ock fighting over this nuclear reactor. Zach, the issue ends <laughs> with Hammerhead running his head into the nuclear reactor core and blowing up the island with him and doc ock inside of it this is not the last we see of these characters nor is this nuclear incident ever discussed again no i know that was like bonkers because it was literally like 
they're just in this building and then the entire island explodes in a nuclear explosion and then it's just how how i can't wait actually till next time doc ock shows up yeah and they're like you died in an explosion he's actually like no no i spun my tentacles and you know yeah i think we still haven't read a mole man issue since fantastic four number one (laughs) that's true he's been around i think he's been around but i'm just saying like we haven't seen him yeah we're gonna see it's been 13 years surely we know enough not to leave our villains in nuclear explosions and uh and have that be the end of an issue it's this issue's nuts um i think it's super goofy and fun it's not it's one of those like it's not actually good i know that but man is it good dumb fun in the way that I was looking for from a Spidey comic. Oh, good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> it, it just, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't land for me. But, yeah. you know, like, there was also maybe I need to adjust my, like, my perception of what some of these can be. Because I, I can get behind that kind of, like, it's just dumb fun. Well, but there then, is a trick like, if you put it in the context of Rage of the Panther, <laughs> which we're going to talk about. Or if you put it in the context of um, even, like, Secret Empire. You know, like the comics are doing pretty different things, even at this point. Even, even the other four Spider Man we read are all much more serious. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like the one before this and the three after this are all very different in tone. So let's get so. to the next three. The next three are oh, wait, there, there's one moment. There's, there's one moment in 131 that this, this, there was a joke opportunity that, like, is really missing here. Okay. <laughs> it was frustrating, which is that uh, back at the Daily Bugle, Spider Man is latched on to the helicopter with Doc Ock and Aunt May being right. chased by another helicopter flying off to this island. And back at the Daily Bugle, I think Ned Leeds and uh, Betty Brandt and Robbie Robertson are talking about Peter Parker and, like, whether or not he's, you know, cracking up because of Gwen Stacy, whatever. And Robbie Robertson says, like, I think Peter Parker's going to be fine. A young man like that with his feet planted firmly on the ground. And then it immediately cuts to a shot of both helicopters. Yeah. That's a good but, gag. Like, Except that it doesn't even... Sh- Spider-Man's not visible on the helicopters. You just kind of know he's under one of those. And, like, that yeah. visual gag would have been so good if it immediately snapped to a shot of him just, like, dangling, like... By, you know just barely hanging on it was so frustrating because i could see that joke getting set up and then it just like it doesn't quite it do off. it you know i think of that technique as something that alan moore really heavily popularized um it's obviously big in Watchmen, but even like i've been reading top 10 which is a series of his and the idea oh, yeah. of you know bottom right corner panel on the left page will say you know like you just said oh he's barely hanging on top left i mean using using the smash cut for comedic effect yeah yeah right so like the the smash cut goes and all the and it's like it's a different setting but the person's doing what was referenced you know or something like that like this clear connection i think more doing that a ton i don't know that we've really seen creators doing that intentionally at this point in time i could be dead wrong it could be way more popular no most most of the time we get like Maybe little visual references. I think Spider-Man's done it a few times, a couple little jokes like yeah. that. But I feel like generally that's something that comic books need to internalize is go like they just need to go watch movies and watch editing and understand how editing works <laughs> and how like scene transitions can play off one another and how you can use those for like tension and comedic effect and just to make things flow. Because that's something you're right. It, very often it's just like, here's a scene and then here's a scene and then we cut back to this scene. But you can use it to like such bigger effect you know the well way i think the that's do. i think i think we're seeing a lot of that with the artists that we're celebrating the most so like um Starenko, obviously neil adams we talked about you know just some of the camera angles like just even thinking yeah. in those terms that he was doing on i, I mean I, I think that's more like framing and like to use film term like cinematography right that's the kind of like the overall direction but like just thinking about editing in the way that you like transition from scene to scene and kind of have those like 
you know, the last line of one dialogue kind of like lead into the first, the, the visuals of the next scene, whatever, that, that kind of thing. But yeah, you're right. We're seeing like a little bit here and there. Yeah. All over the place. Well, I think Starling is in. the other example of uh, Jim Starling is the other guy that we're seeing do stuff closer to that. I think it helps because yeah. a lot of cases he's writing and drawing the material. So he's actually giving the direction yes, yeah. and you know, yeah. displaying it himself. So the next Spidey issues, we got 135 to 137. Uh, this is basically a three-part connective tissue of Harry Osborne's descent into Green Goblin, the sequel. What do you think about Harry as the Green Goblin. Does it work for you? Do you care? Do you wish he yeah, stayed yeah, Norman? Yeah. No, no. I think this all worked for me. I was surprised how quickly it came after Norman mm-hmm. Osborn. This is like just over a year out yeah. from, you know, this is 14 issues after Norman Osborn was killed. So I guess it kind of makes sense. But like, it just feels like we just had this big Green Goblin thing. And it, that that's, I think that's my only hesitation. But mm-hmm. I got I got way into it. I, I, I like this a lot. But the thing is, like, it also feels very much like this Green Goblin, it's, you know, it's Harry instead of Norman, but it's also kind of the same story, right? Well, it's that's like, the thing is, you know, Harry knows his identity, you know, so over because, the course of these issues. Because, like, because he just sneaks into Peter's room while he's taking a shower with the door open. And sees the and, uh, and sees the Spidey costume, just sitting. Yeah, right. Because Pete's yeah, a little careless, like, a little tired. Um, but yep. he, but Harry's also, you know, he's, he's like, descending into madness <laughs> in a way that, like, he lost his dad. He thinks Spider-Man's responsible. Um, he finds out his roommate is Spider-Man. He finds out his roommate Spider-Man, right? And he just he's got all this like, and I don't I don't know that it's explicit that like drugs are involved here, but we know he's also had some like addiction issues in the past. I don't really know. He's that all that hopped comes up on play. acid. Is he in this? I I'm, no no. I was just, I'm making a joke of how they talk about. Don't know. joke about drugs, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Inappropriate. Um, yeah, but like obviously he's had had some issues over the last few years, but nothing quite to get him to the point of like, yeah, he's going to become a murdering nemesis of Spider-Man. I do think in the ways that Norman Osborn like quickly connected to Peter's life, like he's the friend of his or he's the dad of his best friend. Um, Harry ties into that exact same thing because he's the yeah, actual he's, best friend. He slots right in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he does the same things Norman threatens to, right? He's like, I'm going to tell everyone your identity, which at the very end of this story, he does, but no one believes <laughs> yeah. him because they're like, yeah. well, how do you know that? And he's like, I'm the Green Goblin and gives a manic laugh. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, oh, the, okay. I mean, they, they do a good job selling that no one would buy it just by that one shot of the like. That kind of, you know, the, the big crazy smile he has on his face when yeah. he says that, you know, that that sells the idea that, yeah, no one would believe him. But he I, is, I, like, I, I was just going to say, think I, I think there's a danger of not taking Harry as seriously, you know, because it's like you almost put the yeah, lens of like sure. Norman Osborn on him being like, well, you like you never lived up to your dad's expectations. You're just this kind of like sad, like falling apart, you know, friend of Peter's. Um, but he the actions he takes here are as threatening as stuff Norman would do, he blows up their apartment and nearly kills MJ in the process. Yeah. Oh, this is this is something that I was thinking about where, um, oh, you know what we're skipping? <laughs> is the think, Punisher is issue it, in 135? <laughs> yeah, the 135 is the Tarantula and Punisher. Yeah, yeah, I right? know. I know. Uh, let, let's get back to that. We'll, we'll finish up the, the hairy thing and we'll go back to that. Um, yeah, he tries to blow up the, well, he does blow up the apartment. He injures MJ. And then later he steals a nuclear, a clean fusion nuclear bomb. Oh my bomb. gosh, nukes, just, nukes just, in this year. What is going on here? Yeah, I don't know why. That that was goofy because it was like there's this whole plot line where he goes to steal a tiny little nuclear bomb where it's yeah. just like, I don't know, go – you don't have to make a bomb like or go make a little pipe bomb. Like you didn't have to make a nuclear bomb. It's like this is a bomb big enough to explode their head and that's <laughs> – 
<laughs> all at once. And he, you know, he kind of does the like, he kid- kidnaps Aunt May, Flash Thompson, and Mary Jane, and Aunt puts them to yeah. a test to guess like which one's most dear to him. And he saves Aunt May. Uh, like, the thing I was just thinking with this is like, the three of them are involved with so many Spider Man antics at this point that it's just like, how does not everyone know it's Peter Parker? That like, Mary Jane, in the course of these issues has been like she was on a boat that was attacked by spider-man right she was blown up at peter parker's apartment and then she was kidnapped and had a like a fault you know like a a false execution a nuclear bomb execution like thrust on her yeah i think the popular Uh, retroactive thinking is that most people do kind of know i think a lot of times so like when you do get to the issue of actually finding out there's some like maybe i've always known type thinking it's not always the case though there's some heavy hinting here that Flash Thompson knows what's up in 135. Like, he he kind of, like, walks through. He's like, all right, so first Peter was with us, and then Tarantula showed up, and Peter disappeared, and then Spider-Man showed up, and then Spider-Man jumped in the water, and then Peter was fished out of the water. Like, but I don't think that's what they're hinting at. It was just Flash recapping events. <laughs> like, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> but it's just, yeah. It's not really, absurd. it's not really a plot thread they're comfortable approaching. And we've talked about this a bunch because they're so committed to the suspense, which is really no longer suspenseful of a secret identity. <laughs> I, like, I think it still works for Spider-Man. Like, I'm still on board with the idea that, like, this matters well, I, for Spider-Man. I'm not saying he doesn't... I'm not saying it doesn't work in Spidey comics. Um, I'm just saying, like, they don't... I don't think they ever really want to walk that line at this point of, like, what if Aunt May knows and even tease that. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, yeah, so you kind of get Harry Osborn, like, harassing him and just kind of, like, harrying him. And eventually Spider-Man defeats him. And Gosh, he's always harrying people. That is just his thing. Oh my god. <laughs> he loves harrying people. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you caught that. Yeah. Um yeah, that's good. Um yeah, he uh yeah, then he gets taken away by the cops and again, I think Peter like takes the Green Goblin costume off him again, but then Harry just fesses up and says he's a Green Goblin and no one believes it because like, you know, they're like the Green Goblin's been around for a while. You were just a kid when he premiered <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah which in. is interesting i mean it's also i think the thing that's kind of fun about this idea is and i'm trying to think as i say this is this our first legacy character in the marvel universe like is this the is no this the there's first, been a couple like, follow-up no i mean but it's all been little guys like the black knight with somebody else like it's kind of well that was like, like two totally different like a villain and then a hero i wouldn't call that a legacy yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um it's probably somebody i'm forgetting but any i do like that i there, do like the way few, they do this I with think the villain here there's a couple villains that have done that so far but like it's always been like uh oh, what's his well, name? well like titanium man uh, or something in iron man yeah and there's another one i can't remember who's like a captain america villain who's on there's like two baron zemos there's oh uh, baron's probably the first yeah the zemos, oh yeah baron that might be true yeah yeah, there's another Captain American villain who like died and then came back and then died and now we're on our third one, but it doesn't matter because he'll die too. You know, yeah. I almost I would I would like the idea of like a villain. What do you call it? Like persona, where that it just happened like every year there was a new one. You know what I mean? Oh, like, it like, always, like the, the, the like, it's like the defense against the dark arts of Marvel villains, where like they're they come in hot. This character, like, this persona's real big, but every year it ends badly for whoever it is. And then the next year there's <laughs> yeah. somebody else trying it out again. I, I was thinking the uh, the drummer from Spinal Tap. Yes. They just, like, they can't better. keep a drummer. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I don't know. I, I liked yours. Uh, I don't know. I, I If I had to rank them, I would go one, Spinal Tap, two, Harry Potter. <laughs> I feel comfortable Well, with I that. mean, the thing is, like, you just... It's that thing, Dave. I mean, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. You can't keep comparing 
everything to Harry Potter. Have I been doing that a lot? Yeah. It's the only thing. It's your only point of reference. It is. That's With a fair sprinkling, point. Sprinkling in the occasional Drake quote. It's just like Voldemort this, Hagrid that, Hermione. Like you're always referring to yourself as a, a real Hermione type. Well, I think it's true. I think it's, I think you can see that from the detail in the My Marvelous Year list that I relate <laughs> most closely to Miss Granger. Um, yeah, I don't appreciate what you're saying, but I hear you. And <laughs> I, I literally don't know if you've ever mentioned Harry Potter before. So. Uh, well, no, I bet I have because I've reread them I know. somewhat frequently. As I, I believe I, I've probably talked about this before that I read them. To, we were reading them to my son at night. So I have read oh, yeah. all seven yeah, yeah. books out loud in the last two years. Yeah. Okay. No, you, you have not. I'm just teasing. Um, that, that is a common internet sentiment of just like, you know, it, these you get these kind of weird people who like try to filter every mainstream event through like Harry Potter. Because you can kind of just... do it is the thing. Okay. Well, don't actually like. <laughs> I, I was You're being such a Ron right now. <laughs> I was I was forcing this like this archetype upon you. Don't don't embrace it. <laughs> no, that's who I am, Zach. <laughs> yeah, so Have you been to HarryPotterHerald.com yet? <laughs> <laughs> it's really good oh hey there's a it's a really funny joke in the slack of uh somebody who just wants to name themselves harold so they can be comic book harold i've wanted that to be true that's, for so that's long a good, yeah, yeah I, um, I love that pun yeah so uh yeah let's talk about spider-man 135 because this introduces um tarantula is it the tarantula tarantula yeah i'd say oh, pick you, poison you, on that one okay um and it's kind of there's a plot on a boat uh I don't know. I don't. So here's here's my takeaway for this. <laughs> yeah, issue, please. And you can share your, your clearly <laughs> insightful takeaway that you're getting to. Um, <laughs> the thing that I like a lot about Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-five is one, Punisher and Spider-Man team up. So they recognize that they're on the same page. They're both after Tarantula. Two, Punisher made a home video of Tarantula, <laughs> which he shows to Spider-Man <laughs> yep. and is super proud of. And I think that's pretty cute. And this is a weird case of the writers embracing kind of like revolutionary movements without many uh caveats which they they generally do so they're just like oh, the tarantula, tarantula he, you mean? yeah tarantula was like part of this you know like revolutionary like guerrilla movement in a south american country that was rising up against its dictator like the dictatorship running the country and you know they would like they would rob they would steal they would kill they would you know they'd assassinate and they would like kidnap the dictator's brother and ransom him and they'd assassinate him if they didn't pay and they never like say and that was a bad move <laughs> you know yeah. they just say that like eventually tarantula goes off the rails and goes kill crazy but not like for ideological reasons just because he's kill crazy because then he joins the dictatorship like the the government and he's a little kill crazy for them too which that's a little hard to believe that's an interesting but, call out because certainly like, if these type when Almost. these types of movements were discussed in the Silver Age, particularly under the Penn Stan Lee, there'd be that quick like, and here's the American popular POV that the government's espousing right now to show that we're on the same right. side. Right. And also, like these South American countries, it's usually socialist uprisings against capitalist dictatorships is almost always what was happening mm -hmm. around this time. And they've almost Marvel has almost always, you know, slanted things for like in this weird way of uh, you know, we need to bring American capitalism against the socialist dictator i don't think it's right? that weird so, like, because as we've no. talked about like that is the that is the context for how you get your comics published is hey you play by the comics code authority rules oh yeah, yeah for stuff. sure it made sense then it's just it's interesting to see that like they don't make excuses for the the you know this like this revolutionary movement happening which that that just feels very different than what we'd see i don't know 10 years ago for sure yeah it's an interesting call out i 
I like this issue a little bit more because we're starting you, to see the Punisher like, become his own character. Um, do you like Tarantula? I'm not a big Tarantula fan. He's he's is one he, of those is, like third tier Spidey villains for me. I'd put him in the realm of like the Kangaroo, for example. Um, characters oh, that, that is. if they show up in a story, I'm not going to read the issue because of that, but they could be in a good story. I have to I have to pause for a minute. Did you want to crank up some? Metal? I'm just. I'm just, just farting. Blast that. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> sorry. We talked about this. Not into the... Directly into the mic is a step too far. <laughs> I feel like you could have just stayed sitting down. <laughs> it would have been fine. Okay. I think they're leaving. So I'm going to use this opportunity to segue us into the next story on the list. Uh, what, do you, what do you have next? Because I might have taken notes out of order. Tomb of Dracula, Werewolf by Night. Okay, let's do Tomb of Dracula number 18 and Werewolf by Night number 15. It is a two-part crossover mm. issue. I, I'd love, I, I love me some Tomb of Dracula from the 70s. It's such a nice little refreshing, like, hey, here's the horror of the Bronze Age, and it's fun. I like it. What do you think? I don't think I have any complaints. Like, I don't have anything that I was like, oh, this sucks. This doesn't work because of this. This just, is a rave review. It didn't work for me. Like, I, yeah. I think, but I don't think it's in any way of just like, this is bad. It's fine. It's just it, fine. It's okay. I feel like, you know, maybe in a different context, if I wasn't like reading so many comics, this this might be a, um, you know, this might be one of these things where I have to sit down and read 20 comics, like, <laughs> and write notes on them. Uh, what you do know, you mean? Part of like, because we're, well. Oh, oh, like I'm getting through these issues and we need to talk I'm getting through about these them. issues for my job, which is this, you know. Yeah, yeah. This, no, I hear you saying. For this podcast. I hate to break it to you, but you are being recorded. This is not just a conversation Wait, what? between the two of us. Yeah, yeah sorry. This whole time? Sky- Skype always pops up and tells me, like, inform others if they're being recorded. This is yeah. me doing that. Yeah. Oh, that was, um, you kind of told me. We're an hour into this, and I set up the recording myself on my end. <laughs> I for, you just told me to do these things. I don't know why. Now you explain it to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it's not bad. I think, uh, yeah, it just, like, it didn't particularly... Um, like throw my soul, but you I know, think what, Werewolf what by Night has that effect. <laughs> like Werewolf, you know what's interesting is I I have liked Tomb of Dracula more than Werewolf by Night. Yeah, but the art, uh, the art in uh, Werewolf by Night I liked a lot more, which Ooh, was um, some Mike Plug respect. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm a Plug head. We all know this. Yes, a, right. Yeah. Um. So it's you know I I liked I like the art, but then besides that, so so they say yeah, you're tell- they say you're plugged in. Oh, that's pretty fan. good. Yeah. Yeah, they, when I when I sit down to read a plug issue, I'm just uh, I'm taking a big plug. Gross. Yeah, it gross. is gross. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, yeah. So what what happens here? Can you just? Tell oh, me I wasn't gonna. I really say more than that. I mean, it's Dracula ja- oh, and Werewolf the, by the Night only... meet up. Jack Russell is uh, our Werewolf by Night. They take a trip to Transylvania, and basically they wind up. And the, and the reason they do this is they're trying to him and his girlfriend Topaz. Um, they're trying to find a cure. <laughs> for oh, the old Topaz. werewolf yeah oh, the old yeah, werewolf so, okay. gene here's something is that like here's how little i was like kind of how little my head was in this comic which was that at some point <clears throat> we see like a helicopter with this couple on it a blonde woman and a man with brown hair mm-hmm. and like a bat attacks them i think it's dracula and they land and i'm like oh it's jack russell and topaz they somehow got a helicopter and i missed that or something yeah and then later it's like van helsing and his sidekick i Rachel guess van but helsing. like I, I just thought it was the same exact two people because they're both like they're both blonde ladies and they're both brown-headed men yeah yeah and like i didn't even realize we're talking about two different couples here um the the, the only other call out i liked was uh we get the history of jack russell's father mm-hmm. 
that that was the only part that i thought was like pretty cool was that jack russell's dad um i i was trying to think of a quick joke i was like crow russell that's not a good joke uh <laughs> get it because russell crow, yeah. <laughs> i do wish his name was crow that would have been some sweet crow, foreshadowing crow russell is pretty good actually yeah um yeah he he's the one who's like i think his wife was killed by dracula so he just sneaks into dracula's castle <laughs> oh hey you know what this is kind of like this is kind of like the uh the jackal in that video i watched who just sneaks up on a sleeping seal and uh and bites go. his face jackal Jack russell sad. sneak sneaking <laughs> up on the seal aka dracula and just like he stands over Dra- a sleeping dracula and then just yells like four sentences like this is for the lady you killed. I loved her more than anything, and you will pay with your life eternally when I put this stake through your heart. No, I, uh, no sit like, back down. I'm not done yet. I have more to yeah. say to you. Yeah, yeah. All right, so it doesn't end. Dracula, doesn't Dracula is a heavy sleeper, and that, that's how you know we found Dracula. Dracula is a heavy sleeper. That's the thing. He can sleep so easily. <laughs> yeah. Do you have more? I don't. I can't play off of that. No, I don't have more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and then like. Um, yeah, there's this thing where after he staked Dracula, he found a, a woman locked up in one of Dracula's rooms. He freed her, and then she turned out to be a werewolf. And Dracula is afraid of werewolves, and he has them, like, locked up because he can't control them. Why not blah, just blah, blah. let it go somewhere else, though, right? Yeah, how many sure. How many rooms in your place do you have of things you're terrified of like how many how many rooms I mean, I have spiders a, do you have oh we do have like an unfinished basement you know with okay. like one of those really dark crawl spaces which is just kind of like oh that's the spooky room we right. don't go there unless we have to we keep that yeah. because it terrifies us and we'll never put anything in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah so that that's that it's fine next we read six issues of captain america six boy was this a lot of issues now i did consider when i was reading these to say, hey, let's start at 173 to 175, I think you could do. Um, I was deep enough in it that we went for it. And honestly, like, it is one big saga. It's This is a Steve Englehart written with Sal Buscema art, inks by Vince Coletta, letters by Artie Simek, and Peter Goldberg on colors. And this is the what is now known as the Secret Empire Saga of the 70s, not to be confused with the 2017 Marvel Comics event, also called Secret Empire. This one... A lot happens, Um, and it's really, it's the first time I think we've really read a story where Captain America is challenging and being challenged by sort of the uh, American principle. The powers that be, yeah. Yeah, the the government is on his case. That's really how this thing ends. Or opens is Cap is wanted for murder. The the opening of this is Captain America standing there with a bunch of people yelling accusations of him, and the mm-hmm. title of this issue is J'accuse, which is the the most fun French word to say. But sadly, no Bat Rock. I I do. Oh God, feel I a know. missed opportunity. I love, I love Bat Rock. Yeah. Um. No, he's set up for murder. He's a wanted man. The first couple issues, we actually get a nice. There's like a a B story here of Falcon and Wakanda. So Falcon's mm-hmm. yeah. with Black Panther throughout Wakanda and Black Panther is building him or developing a new suit for him with cool red and white wings. This is the yeah. the Falcon costume that I think most fans of this era would be familiar with. Um, yeah, and I'll have cool. for, for a pretty decent chunk of time. I think it's kind of fun too just to see like Sam Wilson in Wakanda. <laughs> just get yeah, like yeah, for scenes sure. of them walking right. and talking is actually like pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you just have that interesting thing. I had a thought throughout this too that Sal Buscema's art on this series, I think he's like Sal Buscema is, and and John as well, his brother, um, pretty well recognized as like, you know, really good, just like consistent Marvel artists. This this artwork feels really old to me. Like it feels kind of throwbacky to like yeah. Two, yeah, sure. two more Silver Age, whereas we see so much now moving forward 
We see Rich Buckler doing these crazy things in in Rage of the Panther. We see Jim Starlin doing all this stuff in his cosmic sagas. When we get to these like six panels, like flat blue and red backgrounds, two characters per panel, it just feels like I'm like, oh, this is a comic book. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't. But there's nothing didn't, that like, jumps. I didn't hate the artwork, and I think it actually like. <clears throat> I think because of the writing somewhat, it flowed okay. But you're right that just kind of like panel by panel individually, it was not that interesting. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, that's like a, it's, it's a light criticism. I think. Yeah. I mean, it, that. It's, it's competent, if not like noteworthy. Yeah. So here's where things really pick up for me. Sam comes back. He finds Cap. He says, oh, wait, Cap, so I'm on your side. I know you're Captain wanted for America, murder, but I trust you. And Captain America has been set up for murder by this, like, you know, this kind of, uh, this ad man, I guess. But the real the real crux of this is that he's being set up to be replaced by another superhero. I was hoping we could get through this without saying this. Moonstone. Oh, boy. Which, like, I, I mean, I love Are you familiar with Moonstone? Ha- Do you have any previous Moonstone knowledge? Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to evolve your Clefairy into a Clefable, obviously, but... Um, that's, besides that, that is not what I was going for. But I'm glad you took it in that direction. You're, yeah. you're 100% no Moonstone. Correct. Moonstone. I don't know anything about except that it's just. I think it's so funny that they're just like yes, this strong, you know, kind of symbol of American strength and male like virility is being replaced by Moonstone. Yeah, like, and it's just like, oh, what's his deal? He's he's got the power of a stone that was found on the moon. Like, and he's not even like it's not even like a big American astronaut or something. You know, it's no, like, no. Actually, it sounds like more like hippy dippy to be like, I got the yeah. powers of the moon, brother. Like it, it the marketing yeah, scheme exactly. here is flawed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and he's kind of got that like uh, kind of has a like traditional Silver Age Kirby design costume. It looks like like pretty like when he was churning out his like lesser things, where it just feels like he's churning out background characters for like Asgard or something. Like he he's... looks like one of the guys that would just be in the background of an Asgard battle. Yeah, right, right. Like he's that he's like a henchman's henchman. Moonstone is so boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's for sure. he's nothing. And I mean, that's kind of the point. Is there like and but here's the weird thing about this entire Secret Empire saga: Moonstone kicks Cap's butt, and so does everyone else. <laughs> like every yeah. issue ends with Captain America getting his butt kicked. Yeah. So the, this is all part of this big movement um, funded by quote the committee to regain American. What is it? American. I'm certain I wrote this down. The committee to regain America's principles. Does that sound familiar yes, which at is like, all? I know. I mean, I don't. I don't want to get too like. Hmm, interesting about the parallels of today, but like, oh, oh boy, it's, it's a is... clear parallel. You can't read that and not think, hey, there's a parallel to today. It's clearly yeah, doing similar sure. sorts of things, which I think is always something that as maybe younger readers like, or it's this thing my wife and I had um, not too long ago. Uh, we are watching like old debates from like the 80s. So old to us. And yeah, basically sure. we're, presidential debates. And yeah, it's just like, like fun, fun time Friday night with the wife. It's like, let's... <laughs> Yeah, Let's it's, pull up some political. No, it's like yeah, you okay. C-SPAN and chill, right? That's what everybody does. And yeah. uh, 1980 C-SPAN and chill. What's that? 1980 C-SPAN. Yeah, C-SPAN classic and chill. And uh, <laughs> C-SPAN. <laughs> and you find that the debates—they're talking about all the same stuff. Nothing's oh, changed. Yeah, of course, absolutely, yeah, nothing's changed. Sure. So, so I mean, yes, people are the fact suckers. that there would be the committee to regain America's principles. Well, I mean, that, we're not patting ourselves like... on the back, being like, we found no, something I mean, that, that, that connects. Is, that is the cornerstone of any kind of like nationalist movement is a a callback to the the like the golden days of yesteryear right which is funny because like this is 1974 and we're seeing this all through here and like that's what 
we're looking for today. Like, oh, let's bring us back 50 years, back to when America was It's this idyllic sense of things surely things were better previously let's go back to the reason yeah for that sure i mean that, so that was like better. i mean every fascist movement has had something had dipped its toes in those waters that's like a, a, a principle of forming a like fascist movement anyway uh yeah so that that's happening here and it's all under the behest of the secret empire we find out eventually which is it was an offshoot of it used to be a subdivision of hydra along with aim but just like aim it broke off to become its own thing mm-hmm and we've seen Secret Empire before a few times. I actually love that uh, at one point, um, one of the members of S.H.I.E.L.D. breaks down the entire history of Secret Empire. And it's just like one idiot after the next, like blowing themselves up. Yeah. <laughs> like it just shows like, yep. And then we brought in another guy who thought he'd uh, become the leader of Secret Empire, but he stepped on his own bomb. Yeah. And then we brought in another one and uh, he fell into an alligator pit. <laughs> just a series of like really i mean this is clearly the most competent they've ever been i do like (laughs) it when spy organizations have histories and and are like branches off of other spy organizations yeah that's fun they're like 16 percent shield and 42 percent and you know it's like this this mix of like other spy things we know yeah um so let's let's see the the way that so captain america and the falcon kind of go on the run and they go undercover as God. I love this so much. Uh, yeah, this is good. St- yeah, Roger Stevens. Yep. <laughs> and Willie Samuels. Yeah, which is very funny. Roger Stevens is not the first. That's not the first time he's used that as a nickname. That's the name he like gave when he became a teacher at a, a college, like the physical ed teacher at a college, because someone put him on the spot and he's like, "What's your name, young man?" And he's like, "Uh, uh, Roger Stevens." Uh. You know what's you know what's kind of wild about that though is Steve Rogers is still a secret identity. Right, I know that's that's true. But, but I mean, I love I that guess, he uses an alias all the same. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's because he doesn't want to like if Steve Rogers was here, and then people eventually find out that like whoever that guy was was Captain whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, there, there are there are like lots of twists and turns throughout this, but don't so look them too close. The wildest like, one for me is Cap and Sam are on the run. And like oh, basically, they're running they're down the, the street, street. Yeah. and they run into Banshee. <laughs> yeah, everyone's favorite. Yeah, I love that. It just it's been like four years since X Men has been canceled, and they're just like, oh man, the teens—they're clamoring for Banshee. They can't get enough of this Banshee, and it's just like, well, we got to we got to give them what they want. Which is um, also they they end up they they're in Nashville when they're on the run mm-hmm. because when Moonstone was attacking them, he says something like, "Oh, it's clear as day. You've been you know." It's clear as day you're on the outs, Captain America, just like Hank Williams' guitar. Burn. <laughs> clear as day. You gotta, if Captain you're a America's villain like, who is like a marketing villain, 100% yeah. your digs are related to the city you're in. You know? Yeah, well, that's what Captain America says. He's like, I think we'll be able to find him in Nashville, Tennessee, because did you notice that he mentioned country music? Yep. <laughs> and yep. then we find, we find Banshee there because he's making his way into... I don't remember if they named the specific musician, but he he's going to uh, uh, go see a country show because he says something like, "No one will suspect an Irish mutant in a in American country concert." I do like that like, line of thinking. No yeah, one would suspect that. Uh, do you yeah, think Banshee true. is a good singer or the worst singer? <laughs> that's a very good question. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's all volume, no range. You know, right. like right. he has one note he can sing very well, but or just very it's just loud. like. By the third time you get, you know, the third song you hear, that's just that same note. Yeah. Wailing that, you know, you, you, you catch on to what's going on. It's like maybe he'd be great at the chorus to, or the the mantra through Immigrant Song. 
by Zeppelin, but that's <laughs> yeah, it. Right. Don't try to get him to do the rest of it. Um, yeah, they bump into Banshee. He's freaked out because he's being chased. We don't really know this originally, so it just seems like Banshee's evil. <laughs> I'm like, wait, Banshee's a bad guy? Uh, he tries to fight Cap and Sam because he thinks they're there to bring him in. Uh, then who should show up but the actual X-Men, whose comic is canceled? And we got him into a comic. Congrats, guys. Cyclops shows up. Professor X well, is there. It's... They all kind of chase off Banshee, and then Professor X explains to Captain America, and we got some interesting dialogue here, but he explains to them that they're basically being hunted by um, by the government because they are mutants, and they're trying to, to lock up you know, the others and the mutants. Captain America says, that sounds like a mutant problem. What's that got to do with me? Which, let's, let's hear it, for, <laughs> for, for Avengers diplomatic policies— until like 2015 congrats steve for that approach to mutant dilemmas professor x convinces him by telling him uh oh also they're chasing you and then cap says well cool let's work together in that case. yeah 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 that sucks and, yeah uh yes no no good no good thank you steve uh please get better the um they they reveal here something i really like um, which was that the Professor X knows that one of the members of the Secret Empire is Hank McCoy's girlfriend from those issues of yeah. I think, Amazing Adventures that we read. And we knew we she knew was, she was like, a, a rogue spy. Right. And she's part of the Secret Empire. And it's just like, oh, that's fun. Like, you saw that and you kind of weaved it into this and it makes sense in the context of that comic. I, I like that because that actually was, I think I mentioned on the show, it's like one of the only twists in Marvel Comics that I was like, hey, I didn't see that coming. And right. it makes sense. Yeah, it's an, it's a nice connective um, tissue there for sure. Um, yeah, once they once they meet up with the X Men, the plan here is Sam and Cap. They pretend to be mutant haters. At um, they basically like they they what do they do? They help someone who's being attacked by Cyclops. Cy- I think Cyclops it is. like he know, pretends to attack Cy- a you know that woman. Call that him, same woman. No, yeah. he pretends to attack Hank McCoy's girlfriend. Oh yeah, it's actually her. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And um, then and, Captain America and or. Roger Stevens and Willie Samuels yeah. save her, <laughs> and uh, and they get recruited into the Secret Empire to steal the Electro Gyro from some tech company. Gosh, and I love Electro Gyros. They, yeah, that, I mean that was the most boring part of this. Was like just a I lot like them of focus with tomatoes and like feta cheese okay. and uh, what kind of sauce is that? You know what I'm talking about? Tzuki, 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 tzuki. I, I mean. Yeah. They should play along, Zach. Let's continue. Yep, I, I, I'm just staring, <laughs> trying to like. You're so mad right, at me for that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was like, uh, electricity and sandwiches. What can I do with this? Like nothing. That might I be mean, the maddest you, you've ever done. You know, you know what would give you like some kind of uh, I, puns? I mean, puns are not my my strong suit. So like when I'm trying to come up with puns for when we make our heroes and villains, because it's like. A lot of times they're strongly pun based. Mm, it literally right. takes me the entire well, okay. It literally takes me the entire week to come up with like the three puns that I revolve the hero around. So Yo, Van like, Puny was real. I know that was your wife, but that one that was that my one wife, rolled yeah. in my head a few times after the fact. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that I like that too. Um, anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, so they so they, inv- this- they become they join Secret Empire. Captain no, no, Sam. wait. They, this this is a good another twist that I liked. They broke into the factory to steal the electro gyro, and on their way out, the security guards are shooting at them. And the factory manager says, "No, no, no, wait, stop! Don't shoot! I got this letter from Captain America that was he left behind, and there's a letter there that says like, dear factory manager, I am not a th- real thief. I am being framed. I need the electro gyro to prove my innocence." Please forgive me, Captain America. Mm. <laughs> and uh, the factory manager is like, I believe him. Captain America is a good guy. You know, there's no way he's really a criminal. I love that Cut. touch. That Steve will leave a note. That's that's a good Oh, one. yeah, that, that's that's very funny. And the note yeah. is like absolutely just like a 12-year-old's sense of, mor- like, 
it's a very straightforward just like oh it's that good and pure i did something wrong but here's why yeah yeah he couldn't that's the only way captain america would do it i i like that take but then they have the thing later where when they're broke they break into the secret empire uh they're immediately found out that they're uh they're actually like you know triple agents or whatever because one of the guys pulls off his hood and it's the factory manager who's like that's why i let them go which i was like oh cool another good twist like i like this idea of like man anyone could be part of this group until i thought of the fact of like well why didn't he just steer the gyro he worked at the factory (laughs) like too easy yeah i mean that that's like okay i it it went from me being like ah cool twist to like "Ah, damn it i shouldn't have thought about it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so Captain Just, Sam, at this point, they uncover the Wheel of Mutants that oh, the Secret this is Empire one of, has put together. I think this is one of two panels this year that I gasped out loud when I flipped the page. This is kind like, of a... I didn't see it coming. It's a, really, I, it's I mean, a wild you, choice. Yes, certainly not, which is just like, what's their plan? And they open it up, and it's literally just a giant wheel with all the mutants pinned to it, except for Blob, who doesn't fit. <laughs> on a table. Poor Blob God, just has to I, sit on the table. That detail is so funny of just yeah. like... I mean, it's probably just like he didn't have space to draw them all, but I just like that Blob gets sidelined. No, it's, he's like, too yeah. big. Come on, yeah, it's perfect. Big. Yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, it's. I don't know. This is this. Don't try to explain it. Like, they they save yeah. the mutants. They stop them. They stop Secret Empire. The battle yeah, goes yeah. to the front lawn of the White House. Right. Yes. And, and we this get another... is where the biggest moment of Secret Empire occurs when Steve Rogers. I believe chases someone inside the White House, right? Into the chases Oval the Office. leader yep. of or one of the leaders of Secret Empire. Number one, no, number one, it's number one the leader. Of, yep. And uh, they, what is it? He pulls off his mask, and we don't see the individual's face. We don't see him, but every indication is it's President Richard Nixon. Yeah, I looked this up. Steve Englehart specifically was like that. I wanted this to be Richard Nixon. Yeah, and I think like he had to dance around it a little bit because like. Captain America pulls it off, and you just see this look of shock, and he goes, "You!" And the, yes, the, he's completely you know. shocked to the point that the next few issues will be like Cap dealing with this betrayal of of oh, everything really? he thought okay. he was fighting for. Um, it, it's like it really gets to Steve in a way. So he's got the yeah. He says, "You!" It's this big shock, and, and then it, and the honestly, guy says, like if I didn't, guy, what's that? Oh, the guy says like, "Oh yes, highest political office wasn't enough for me." Yeah, you know, right. I had to go outside the bounds of the my mandated power. And he's like, "But I had a good run of it," and he shoots himself. So it could, right? Which is which is crazy. Which is like, I just to point out, Richard Nixon is still the president at this moment. Like he had not yeah. been impeached yet. So like, Watergate's com- happening. We should Water- say. Oh right? no, for sure, Watergate gets mentioned here, and that I mean that's why this is happening, right? That's the point is that like Richard Nixon has betrayed the country, but like. It's also kind of not the plot of these no. issues. It's not that specific to be like, no. our government's actually been infiltrated. That's really not what this story is until the last issue. And all of a sudden, it's like, this wall went all the way up to the president, apparently. Yeah, I just like, it's just crazy. I mean, last year, it was just like Richard Nixon was, you know. It's like, like hello, Reed. Ha- it's, good to, it's good to see you, Reed Richards. I'm not a crook. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Just like that? Saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Oh God, I wanted to bust out my Nixon impression so bad. Your, your mask gonna, that you've had behind my, you this entire time? My, we've very, been my very wet-mouthed Richard Nixon impression. Gosh, it's um, but, much too wet. Really uncomfortably <laughs> wet. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just wild how, uh, you know, like, they, they have been so, I don't know, lavishly defending the government and its actions for so long, and then it's just this hard 180 into, like, the president is a spy and is trying to overthrow the country. The president. commits suicide the, on panel. And then, yeah, right. I mean, exactly. I do think like, if I didn't kind of know 
the history of this and and maybe had seen something. I don't know that I would have assumed it was the president. I mean, if you were living in if you were in July 1974, yeah, <laughs> I think I think this would probably you know ring out truthfully. You I don't know, know in 74, I might have been like, hmm, Secretary of Defense. Who are they talking about here? Is this Kissinger? It should be Kissinger. Could I mean, be it could be truly yeah uh I mean, yeah so be, but, that's yeah. it's a big story for that reason i mean i think um one thing is like i don't think there's any follow-up in terms of like yeah the american government now needs a new leader like i don't think that ever gets mentioned in any additional comics i guess that would have been too overt then because it would have been like mm-hmm. oh now they've confirmed yeah. that's yeah. what happened here but clearly that's what they were trying to do so yeah it's a big old cap story we read a lot of it I, I kind of like, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, do we really need to read all of this? And then we hit the X-Men showing up and I'm like, oh yeah, we kind of do because otherwise we don't get any X-Men until uh, until they totally reboot next year. So yeah, I thought this was a, a ton of fun. Like maybe, again, this is one of those things where like I was reading it quickly because I'm reading it on assignment. If I could spread this out a little bit more, I think I would have enjoyed it a little bit more, like say month to month. Uh, but well, like you, you tell yeah. the club that we need to slow things down. Yeah, I want to read one issue per month, Club. Okay, we're doing do you mind? weekly. We'll do one yep. issue a week, and we'll be done when you and I oh, are no joke. There's, 112. There's a couple. Um, <laughs> I found a uh, another podcast that does kind of something similar to what we're doing, except they are covering every Marvel comic from the beginning. Yeah. One issue at a time. Yeah. One <laughs> issue per episode. <laughs> uh, there you go. It's a, Yeah, I think like they've been going for well over a year, and they're... Uh, in 1963, you know? So That's like, ambition. Yeah, it's like 20-minute episodes per... Um, okay, so... Uh, yeah, last... Last we, story. Last story. Jungle Action, 9 through 12. Zach, did you like Jungle Action, 9 through 12? I liked it. A lot. Dave. I think it's pretty good. I, yeah. I think it's yeah, pretty I, good. Uh, yeah, you know I what think... I love about Jungle Action in these issues written by Don McGregor? And here we get... Um, I think we, we're moving out of art by Rich Buckler and we're getting a little more by Billy Graham, uh, which, again, I think is really cool that he had that double career. But um, oh my God, Wakanda is so lived in. Like, it's a book about the citizens of Wakanda. It's, it's a book uh, about this it's place. It's baffling how more of a real place this seems than New York City. Yeah. Like, that, it does. It feels like this is a more nuanced place with a deeper culture and more, like, you know, like, political movements and, mm-hmm. like, the people there all have, like you know distinct but like collective identities of you know they all are like wakandans but then they have different ideas of what that means right, right. like i feel like this I, you know maybe that's because they're working in a fish, fictional nation but it's just like it is a more nuanced take on wakandan politics than most of these comics get about american politics yeah and i mean i think if you like, compared it to any other fictional place even in the marvel universe well uh, yeah no not, nothing else comes close everything else is just like asgard I mean, out, atlantis maybe there's a lot of issues of submariner but yeah wakanda it's like there's so much to this place and we learn a lot about it and we see a lot of different people is the thing and it's like i never feel like the panther you know i never feel like t'challa is getting short shrift really i don't feel like we're not spending enough time with him but somehow we also find time (laughs) with all these people and the politics and it it works magnificently well and then on top of that like it's just it's such a it's such a cohesive ahead of its time story like, it's so far ahead of its time. I, it kind of blows me well, away. I mean, nothing, what else does this thing where it's just like, what is happening right now is that Killmonger is orchestrating all these events, but he's not there, right? Like, we don't he see shows him up for in all six, these issues. And he shows up mm-hmm. in 12. And right. we don't even but see like, him in 7 through 11. And the rest is just like, but his, like, his movement, his ideology mm-hmm. is, like, felt through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he is just this threat in the background. 
constantly working. And like, that has never happened in any Marvel comic that we've seen where it's just like, oh, the villain is actively doing things here, but he's not present. He's not like, you know, front and center. We just see like T'Challa is just playing catch up with him and trying to, you know, in like, and just bumping up against all of his villains. And can we just say like, how good this roster of villains is? Like, and weirdly like, and weirdly unfamiliar I think no, I don't. The, I don't know any of these Marvel, except... right? Like they, they, they're all like one off. Like it's, it's all like um mini bosses in a video game building to Killmonger, but they're all yeah. individually interesting and have personalities or just visual designs. Like Baron Macabre is this villain that's like basically a zombie with an army of the living dead, but a lot more complicated. And then if that seems like too supernatural, the next villain is King Cadaver, who's like... Oh, boy, that was like, the second panel what? that made me gasp when, <laughs> when like, uh, Black Panther goes... Yeah, we've got King Cadaver, who's this, He's like, like a Mr. Mind style green alien blob? Like, he's almost like Mr. dupe. He's like a proto-dupe. D-O-O-P. Mr. Mime? Mr. Mime's a Shazam worm. Oh, I thought, I thought you said Mr. Mime, like the Pokemon. I was like, I don't... We have very different ideas what that clone looks like. Well, he does, when King Cadaver plays Pokey, he does always have a roster of six that includes Mr. Mime. That's a very little-known detail. I wasn't going to get yeah, into that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah but, uh, you know, I think he yeah, looks like a big King, green worm. King Cadaver, Venom, Malice. Venom um, 2Ns. Yep, Venom 2Ns. You've Venom. got uh, at Colonel, not Colonel Carnage, uh, oh, General Carnage. Name too. Colonel, Colonel Carnage. Carnage. I think it's General Carnage, something like that. But like, I the the fact that I just remember those is noteworthy. I don't have those written down. the The fact that I remember each of those villains and they stand out, and I like feel like I know their deal. Yeah, means like so much in this era. I mean, I kind of hope that they all stay Black Panther villains. I don't know if like King Cadaver becomes a you know a, a longtime Black Panther villain or there, uh, there are strong cases Baron to be made Macabre. for for bringing them back um, now. Yeah, I man. Oh well, in, in the, I think. Uh, I mean, okay. We we went over a bunch of like kind of the uh, the you know the the tricky social issues of a bunch of like white guys kind of sticking their snout in this, and I'm not gonna rehash all that because we said in the last issue, and I just love this. Like, I I love this enough. This is gonna be the first Marvel comic I'm gonna go buy a trade paperback of. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I want to own this that we've read in the club. Yeah, but uh, I think um, at least Baron Macabre, I think, is playing in some ground of like caribbean voodoo mm. tropes that are not african right like or at least not like i, I think he's kind of just combining like generalized like yeah j- just mixing and matching a little bit in a way that might be kind of a that could be squeaky. i, I yeah. truly have no idea yeah I, I don't either but that that was my thought maybe maybe i don't know that there's a you know tradition of that but that that seemed to be like the um like the archetype they're playing with you know the, i mean the definitely black, that's the sort of like supernatural doctor. undercurrent of of wakandan culture will yeah. continue to play that will continue to get played with now if you're if you if somebody wants to tell me that is like pulling in actual other cultures and really it doesn't make sense here uh i i will happily listen to that but yeah, to my knowledge sure. that like that continues in a lot of like future black panther stuff too yeah yeah but it's i mean it's just really good uh the the did you have any problem following this though like are you uh, at any so point it's a little lost there are like, two there are two things happening sort of at odds with each other one is don mcgregor is my favorite marvel writer so far i think his prose and the way that he he's like the first probably the first like writer that i'll read the prose and think like that's a really cool way to describe yeah. the landscape like um, that's his, just good his writing, use of language and he his writing elevates the images yes like well, we'll get into it, but like there are there are captions that like describe stuff that we're not quite seeing mm-hmm. that make what 
is what, what we're seeing cooler and more yes. evocative. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I, I think was, that's happening. The second thing. Yeah. That's happening. And I'm, I'm celebrating that because I think it's really cool. And, and I think like, again, we're not really talking about creators at this point as like, I don't know, what's the word is like artists in the way that we would talk about like literature necessarily. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but I think McGregor's pro starts to maybe get a little closer to that. Uh, but then it's, it's also happening at odds with, uh, it can be very dense and there can be a lot of text. And what, happens there potentially is it's easier to fade out and sort of lose the flow of things when things there, aren't allowed to degree, just breathe yeah I, I agree and i think there's a degree of there's a lot of names here that i'm not familiar with and that don't like to my american mind don't like stick they're not quite as sticky yeah you know and like there's a lot i learned you know there's tajala there's indijaka mbaku like i get those ones like i know those characters now but it, you know it, like there's that level of like it just takes a little longer for unfamiliar names to stick right yeah and so like there is a fair amount of like uh what what is this guy's deal again i don't remember like what's yes. his motivation and there was some of like we left this we read six through eight and then i came back to nine and i was just like i remember mbaku's mad <laughs> i remember mbaku is like questioning but then like what's is it Wabadi, I think? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, what's his deal again? I don't quite remember. You know, it was like a little you bit of that. You almost need that like, Game of Thrones recap at the front of the issue. Yeah, I, I kind of wish I had had time to just go read the first three again to just, like, get back in that zone. Yeah. Because I, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily a failure of the comic. It's just not, like, holding your hand well, in the way that... Right. In, and like, I think it's... In laying stuff out. That's what makes... That's what separates it. That's the ahead of its time part of it is it's meant to be read as a whole. Like, it yes, is a story absolutely. meant to be yeah. read as a graphic novel whole. And, yeah, to your point, like, Avengers isn't necessarily. Oh, they I mean, we're getting into that era. Saying, Here's what happened last time. Yes, yes. Yeah, I can't wait until, like, I don't know when that starts happening. Like, uh, modern Marvel comics, where they just, mm -hmm. on the credits page, just give you a paragraph telling you what's up mm -hmm. instead of the characters having to tell you. Yeah. Like, when does that become a kind of a common thing? Like, you know... I definitely not until Pretty like recently, the two thousands. I it might even yeah. be more recent than you like two thousand tens. Yeah, it could potentially even be that. I think um, so. Yeah, I think of the page recap like that really dying out throughout two thousands comics. Like I don't think that happens in like Civil War or something, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I prefer comics that don't do that because it's always like, well, this is a waste of a page unless you're jumping in there, in which case it actually does help. Um, or or you know, the best ways to do that are point. ways that you don't notice, right? Like. The best ways are where it's like woven into the dialogue that feels natural and you don't notice. There were a few times that actually happened in the, I think maybe in the Captain America ones. Steve Englehart yeah. is okay at doing that. You know, uh, that's funny you I say that because that's why I thought about starting it at 173 is there is like, I think Professor X does that in six panels. Yeah. He's like, here's everything that's happened so far. But it's yeah, like sometimes part of the, it's more it's like part of them forming others, their plan. Yeah. You always feel when that page is coming and you're just like, oh, I don't need to read this page because I just mm -hmm. read the Prath issue. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the... the Black Panther kills a lot of wildlife in these issues. He, <laughs> you I know, mean, I wrote it, that down as well. Uh, it's isn't that wild? If you if you said, "Hey, Marvel did a comic called Jungle Action starring Black Panther," and it started in what was it, 1972, 73? Um, wouldn't your first expectation there, like having gone through the Silver Age, have been like, "I bet he fights a rhino and a twenty foot alligator," because <laughs> that's what <laughs> happens in these issues. But it's part of so much more. But like yeah, those things was... are there. Well, the, the rhino makes a touch more sense to me, at least, because the rhino is, like, charging a kid, and he goes to rescue, you know, one of his citizens yeah. by, like, wrestling a rhino to the ground and breaking its neck, which is, like, pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it really is, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, 
And, uh, I mean, except for the fact that, like, rhinos are now endangered because Black Panther snapped too many of their necks. Also, they did like, start here. The, they were the rhinos fine. are by far my least favorite part of the Black Panther movie. Like, they are the standout, like, ah, those are dumb. Like, wow, that's just I just dumb, had two reactions. My first was thinking you were going to say they're my least favorite animal, which was going to be just, like, a weird take. And then my second was, <laughs> what are you talking about? The rhinos were awesome. They're, I mean, I think the CGI let them down on that one. The that armored movie, rhinos? I, Those were cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I think that's cool in design and, like, concept. I think, whatever, we can get into, we don't need to get into that. Let's never I think we do. It, but, oh. I, uh, I mean, Black Panther uh, had, like, notoriously rushed CGI work, right? Did? Like, yeah, there's, like, some I pretty bad. I never this stuff. I, oh, I, don't, I mean, I, I'm not... I, I don't get too bogged down in that generally either, but, like, it came out a few months before Infinity War and had the same CGI right. house, special effects house working on it as Infinity War. And the like the difference between Thanos and some of the shots of Black Panther with his CGI costume on are like so stark because some of those are like, oh, that's that's real Black Panther. That's CGI Black Panther. That's real Black. Like it becomes pretty obvious to me. The anyway, rhinos I- showing up in the battle scene towards the end of Black Panther is one of like. I don't know, like 10 moments where I'm pretty sure I squeed in a theater. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Is that a disgusting euphemism for something? Oh, oh my goodness. It's a vulgar, vulgar euphemism. Okay. For uh, no, getting I, excited. I, okay, cool. I, uh, I, mean. I do know what you mean. Please, God. <laughs> it means <laughs> all, over, uh, all over Sentinel number two. Oh, poor Sentinel number two. Maybe he likes it. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe that'll be our, maybe that'll be our next goal is is the mmy sex pod <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> i bet that'll um, do well no, okay wait god let me get back to this point i was disappointed I, I thought the rhinos looked a little lame and it took me out of the movie a bit but it, th- reading this made me more disappointed that the rhinos weren't better so that we didn't get this scene where the rhinos like where a rhino and t'challa go head to head and he yeah. takes down a rhino personally because yeah. how cool would that have been okay i can respect um, that wrong take yeah and then yeah, so he saves a kid from there, but later he just goes out for a walk because he wants some, like, alone time, and he just sits by the, uh, you know, he, like, sits by an alligator pond, uh-huh. and an alligator attacks him, and it's just like, well, at this point, like, you're almost hunting, right, if you just go somewhere where an animal's going to attack you, for sure, and uh, and then it attacks you, and you're like, well, I gotta kill you now, <laughs> like, this is a choice, <laughs> right. like, um, th- that had one of the best lines in it, though, where he's fighting the alligator and his hands are inside the alligator's mouth, like prying the jaws open. Mm-hmm. And the writing above the caption said that the alligator's mouth was full of leeches and the leeches were these dried husks because the alligator had... A second, sorry. The alligator... That, that's why the alligator was up on dry land because his mouth was full of leeches and the alligator was sunning his open mouth in the sun to try to dry out like the leech juice the juices of the leeches yeah i was like i was like don was getting into alligators here it was it was weird but it also gave it's a weird like creepy image that like this i don't know a leech filled alligator and then he also ties it in later to uh one of like a villager is killed by was it baron macabre which oh just a little side note i was too old I don't want to tell you exactly how old I was, but I was too old when I realized that it was not pronounced macabre. Um, I I don't have any uh I, I don't have any judgment or condemnation towards that because one yeah. macabre sounds real fun and uh also, also like I didn't I didn't realize that until I heard it out loud you know right I think that's, right now this moment I, when I, I feel just like said that it, well I I've said it already so I feel like there's audio evidence that maybe um, I did I'm gonna, know I'm gonna clip that out so yeah. yeah you gotta stop editing out things to make me sound <laughs> like an wrong. Idiot. <laughs> Wronger. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, he compares it later. Baron Macabre um, 
kills one of his villagers and he finds his like body that's been drying in the sun he says and he like compares it to the leeches in the the alligator's mouth like just you know like these through lines of evocative prose it's good stuff and so the the issue or the sequence here ends um it's not the end of rage of the panther we do have a bit more to go but this issue 12 we do finally get a killmonger confrontation and lo and behold so like it slow plays the build to killmonger so well then we get to it t'challa's enraged rage of the panther he fights him the expectation is he's gonna win this time nope (laughs) he loses again even worse and with seemingly even less hope in sight and that's going to take us into the next sequence i i love the pacing of this i love what they're doing it's nothing is easy for t'challa and i really appreciate that that they're like they're putting him through the ringer after this weird sequence of events where he left wakanda and he like they're coming he's coming back and it's it's not just like oh you're back everything's fine yeah he needs to prove himself yeah you know he needs to like and also his ideas of what it means to be the ruler of wakanda are being challenged right right? like he comes back and he kind of just feels like he's got all the answers like he knows how to slot himself back into this position and then he's realizing that like oh you know like killmonger and i aren't that different and maybe that means i need to change yeah Right, like, so, yeah, really good. There's also a through line where Monica Lynn is being, Monica Lynn, right? Yeah. She's being framed for murder because there's, um, people in Wakanda don't like her because she's an outworlder. Um, and I am slightly less interested in this solely because they, I don't think they've done a good job selling the fact that she and T'Challa are actually an interesting unit. Like, her sole personality is just being the like the the point of conflict for T'Challa and like the rest of Wakanda. Right. That people don't like her because she's an outsider, but like she doesn't get that much more to do and she doesn't feel that like of her own that much of her own person. So I, I have a hard time getting invested in her, which is too bad. Yeah, I'd I'd be curious to hear readers who are more invested in this. Um it, it feels like they, they felt like they needed like an American there to give a point of perspective but that's yeah. not really what happens like it's so not focused on her point of view yeah of what's going on you know like the way that they do in the 90s black panther right that's yeah. clearly like here's the american point of view and he's like what's all these wacky rituals and that's not what's going on here mm-hmm. like it just kind of immerses you in it and trusts you to keep up so yeah i don't i don't know it, it i don't think it's bad i just don't know if it's fully successful her the yeah i think i would agree point. those tend to be the pieces that i'm less interested in as a as a reader myself but again i'd be curious to hear people have differing opinions on that if they're out there just because like i don't know maybe that's just where my my head goes is like to the the big superhero action effectively um and more you know on the politics of wakanda and all that so yeah jungle action is awesome definitely read this one if you're following along at home yep 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 uh that's gonna do it for us on 74 part one we had a lot of good stuff and we got a lot more good stuff coming in 74 part two including some jim starling cosmic comics and a whole bunch more you can find all the reading lists as we mentioned you can go to mymarvelthisyear.com you can check out the show notes you can go to patreon.com slash mymarvelthisyear or you can follow the comic book herald email reading club other things that we say at the end of episodes are that you can find the show <laughs> at mymarvelthisyear uh, on social yeah, media yeah. places oh, I got, I got, oh zach and, has uh, something to say well we gotta we gotta do our poll okay let's do you wanna, our you poll. Want the poll Okay, I got a I got a poll for this month. We didn't talk about this ahead of time because we often forget until right now mm-hmm. <laughs> to include it. I got one. You want me just just throw it out there? Yeah. Okay. If you, dear listener, were given superpowers, look into your heart of hearts. Would you be a hero or a villain? Hmm. Good one. Yeah. Are we throwing? Are we adding not, not what you would, as the third option? 
Nah, 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 nah. Let's let's keep it simple. Does anyone? And, and, do you think anyone defines themselves as an antihero? Like, is Wolverine like I'm an anti? You know? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know what that term. Deadpool is because he's very you know meta narrative aware. I mean, what is that like? Antihero just means like you're chaotic good, right? Like, uh, like... does chaotic good mean? You kill people, but you kind of do it for the right reason. Yeah, exactly. It means that you're not, like, following the laws, right? Like, what, you know, the yeah, ends sure. justify the means if it's ultimately for good, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Yeah, uh, so don't answer this question with what you would like to be. Try it. Really? Really? What would you what, actually what, do? What you think you would actually be. And it doesn't have to be a super vi- villain or a superhero. Maybe you would just uh, rob ATMs, you know? Maybe that's your thing. Right. You're, not, you're like, you're I can phase my into... hand through ATMs. Would you just take the cash? Or would you use it to phase through people's bodies to remove tumors like a hero? Oh, you yeah. jerk. You just took money out of an ATM and left that tumor. So, but you can vote either way. We're not going to judge you, seriously. Um, I, You know, just to make everyone feel more comfortably, I would definitely, definitely be a hero. But if you are a villain, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> it's okay. He didn't um, think about it at all. Yeah, so go to patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear. Check out that poll. Uh, you can write to us with questions prepping for variant cover, mymarvelousyear at gmail.com. We will try to respond there. Uh, and, 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 and music for the show is by Disaster Peace, P-E-A-C-E. You can check out their music anywhere you find music and enjoy it. I'm Dave. You can check out my stuff at comicbookherald.com. Zach, you can check out his stuff wherever he wants to tell you. Check it out, frankly. I don't, I don't have stuff. Don't talk about yeah. stuff. Do, do your own stuff, you know? Um, I, I'm on the Slack. You can talk to me on the Slack. There you go. If you Personal invitation. Money. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next year. See you next year.